baby, I'm a wreck. Hey everyone, my name is Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another Make Ours Marvel special called Not Comics. This is our eighth Not Comics special, where we just take time to sit down and look at other stuff going on in Marvel besides the comics. And it's sort of our venue to talk about the new Marvel movies, but also occasionally pull out old stuff, um, you know, to sort of look back and, and talk about other things. And today... We're going back to one of our old shows, and we, we found someone that we like to talk to and said, hey, you want to talk to us again? And he said, how much will you pay me? And we said, oh. So, um, Donovan, I hope the check clears, but Donovan Grant, welcome back to the show. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at my account, but um, whilst I'm doing that, hello. Is, are <laughs> you our first uh, revisit? I think so. I surely I hope so. not. Oh, I think you are. <laughs> I think you are. You're special now, officially. We talked to Don about uh, Spider-Man a few months ago, and now we're back to talk about more Spider-Man. But now we're going into the Spider-Verse. I think Don is officially the Make Ours Marvel Spider-Man expert. (laughs) I'm not an expert in anything, but I'll tell people that I am. No pressure. No pressure. Keep all that in, yes. Um, okay, so Into the Spider-Verse is, is the new movie that we have all seen that is taking the internet by storm, and we are, of course, going to be the first podcast that has ever said anything special about it, so so glad you're listening to us. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's true, but honestly, I haven't seen anybody else say they've talked about it. No, I'm sure, I'm sure there's tons of articles and episodes out there about oh, it. We're just, we're just yeah, joining the band. I don't really know I've talked about it, I think. Yeah. Um... Well, let's let's go down go down the list. Don, what were uh, what were some of your your high takeaways from this movie? And how many times have you seen I, it? I've seen it tw- two times. Okay. Uh, I, I I I I don't know. It's, it's, it's like um, I think Spider Man has always you know people say always one more realistic characters or whatever, and this one really got across that ethos in a way which has been talked about a lot, but not really demonstrated. In as strong a way as, as has been with this film, you know, it's a it's very modern, it's very forward looking. I've, I've I've described it before. I love the aesthetic of it. I love the visuals. I love the hip hop aesthetic. I love I love the soundtrack. And I don't know. I, I, it just it felt like like a lot of it kind of comes across as though it's a kids movie, but I think that like it had a perfect tonal balance to make it a Spider Man movie. And not to bury the lead exactly, but I really wrestled. With my own feelings, you know, is this the best Spider-Man movie we ever? And um, I don't know that for sure, but I do know that it's it's at uh, it's in the conversation for the best one of all time. Mm-hmm. Well, if we follow your Twitter, it's crawled up to number two in your life at least already. That was the first time I saw it. Yeah. So yeah, no, that no, I I I um I really uh I really adore it. Um, what did you guys think, Mike? You go ahead. Uh, I just saw it last night for the first time because that's how this procrastinator rolls. Um. And I enjoyed it while I was watching it. And then I kind of didn't think about it afterwards. And then this morning I woke up and thought, oh, I have to podcast today. And I started thinking about how John's going to ask me what I thought of Miles Morales or Spider Girl. And I'm like, oh, I'm not sure I know what to say. So I enjoyed it while I was watching it. But I don't know that it stuck with me. I guess we'll see what happens. I'm not sure what I feel about it. I liked it. But 
um, I was kind of like wary about talking about it for some reason because I don't know if it like stuck with me. Maybe that's just because I just saw it the one time fairly recently or what. But uh, we'll find out when you ask me those questions. I, I hope I have an answer. <laughs> um, okay, so I took my son to see this. I was going to take my daughter, but she had a thing. Um, and I was in joy from beginning to end. Uh, Miles, okay, starting out with Peter Parker, and then, you know, Peter Parker shifting the focus to Miles Morales. And then how they did all that with his origin story and his connection to that Peter Parker. And then realizing that I had misunderstood the structure of the movie from the trailers, that this is going to have two Peter Parkers in it or Peter's Parker, I guess, and everything else about the movie. Plus I know I cried at least once. I can't remember which scene it was. No, no, I can't. I can remember. But then my son also melted into a puddle of goo at a totally different scene that I wasn't expecting. And I've never seen him break down at a movie like that with, mm. with, with one exception. That was a kind of a different emotion. Um, we saw this movie, the, the, the movie of into the woods. And uh, if you don't know into the woods, it's a musical play and halfway through the movie where the act break would be, um, everything is super duper happy. And then it all goes to shit. And really dramatically in the movie, this happens like crash, bang, smash, everything goes to pot. And my son was too young and could not handle losing all of that happy so harshly. And he <laughs> he broke into tears and had to be escorted out of the theater. So oh. that's a different kind of crying in a movie, I think, than, um, than what we had at Spider-Verse. Um, but yeah, we walked out of that, and I was just like, "Oh my gosh!" It was a, it was a good story. So many nods to so many different elements of Spider-Man and the mythos and everything else. That um, very excited. And then there's a whole other conversation about inclusive inclusion and diversity and everything else that goes into it, which is a great conversation. But also, it's just a it's just a it's just a solid solid story. Um, before we get into the beats of the movie, let's talk about our history with Ultimate Spider-Man because I feel like that's also a really big part of this film. Mike, how much are you on Ultimate Spider-Man? Have you read a lot of that? Did you follow that much? I've read like, I don't know how many, at least six or seven of the trades that I found at my library. Mm -hmm. That did not get me to Miles Morales or even his death. I think it got me to like maybe Venom. Or something along those lines. That's like the last thing I remember reading was whatever issue it was where he's sitting on a park bench and he eats a, somebody. Right. That's I don't know what that was. That's probably as much as I've read of Ultimate. I'm aware of Miles Morales, of course, because, you know, us nerds keep our finger on the pulse of comic news. But, uh, yeah, I've never read any issues with him. What about what about you, Don? Yeah, I, I, I think I've probably read every main issue of Miles Morales in terms of his, his ongoing series and like because it's like 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 when he first I believe he had a number one when he first appeared and then they relaunched it and then it was Secret War where they relaunched it again and they called it Spider-Man and I I I don't think I don't, I'm pretty sure that, that was that, that that third volume just ended and they relaunched uh, Miles Morales Spider-Man number one just now um, so I've read pretty much every, all of those issues. Um, it's been an it's been an inconsistent series. I think it's never been bad, but like sometimes 
the way Bendis have been written, writing the story, it, it's it's kind of hard to kind of remember or, or know what to care about. But I, I, I also read him in, in the Champions book, and um, uh, I've, I've kept a, I've kept a, I kept a close eye on this because this character actually means um, he he has meaning with me in a way which is different than you might expect um, because because his sort of inception, the whole um, you know far ago of controversy that happened was really kind of a turning point in my perspective on certain things, which maybe we can get into or maybe not. But like, um, because of that, I, I've kind of followed him pretty consistently for the last eight years. So like, I, I, I was not lost uh, watching this movie in regards to this, his character. Um, when I was out of comics, I remember being online and just like looking up stuff about, I was, I was at a call center. So, you know, wasting time on the internet in between calls was just kind of part of the job. And, uh, it was in the early days of Marvel's website and they had issues of ultimate Spider-Man online to read for free. And that was when I first discovered the ultimate Spider-Man as a concept. And I wasn't, I wasn't back into comics at this point. It was still during that, those, you know, 15 years where I wasn't really following comics or having anything to do with them, but I've always liked Spider-Man. So reading ultimate Spider-Man sort of the scene, this new take on the history was, was kind of cool. And, you know, there was that period from 2002 to 2000, six or seven where the ultimate line of Marvel was like the bee's knees and everybody seemed to be reading. It was selling like hotcakes. Um, I think that that was on the decline by the time uh, Peter Parker died in the ultimate universe and Miles Morales was brought in. Um, But I was there, I was back in reading comics and following it monthly when that happened. So I was I was able to see oh look it's the new Spider Man I was I was on the internet hearing the conversation about Spider Man and Miles Morales and all the other stuff and yeah Don I think definitely we want to hear thoughts on the introduction of the character but um, I've always enjoyed him now I was only invested in the Ultimate Universe for about another year after that point so ever since about a year after he was introduced I haven't really been following his continuity and his narrative. But I've always, you know, liked the character. I love the look of his costume. Oh, um, yeah. I like the dynamic with his dad. Um, and I think that there's a lot of great stuff going on there. Uh, and since Secret Wars has kind of shaken that up a little bit, which we don't really have to go into because it's not, you know, germane to the film, um, his his continuity is a little bit a little bit different now than it was. But but yeah, I love the idea of Miles Morales Spider-Man. And now that Brian Bendis, who created the character and wrote, he was the only writer on Ultimate Spider-Man for, you know, 75 years. Now that he's gone over to <laughs> <Yeah>. DC, <laughs> we have other writers writing Miles Morales for the first time. And um, I'm, I'd be curious to see what kind of things they do with him going forward. Um, but what do y'all want to do? Do you want to talk about the film or first and then come back to... Miles Morales is a character concept, or Don, do you want to talk about some of those things now? Um, well, I mean, it's it's, it's not so much a an, uh, a conversation ender. I guess we can get into it now before we go into the film, and it won't take too long about it. But um, I remember as I was sitting down, I, I, I watched it twice. The first time I was with my girlfriend, and like she's not really into Spider Man. Um, like she likes she likes superhero films, but like, Spider Man's a character that she does never really appeal to her. Um, so of course the first Spider Man we take her to see is Venom. <laughs> oh God. Um. <laughs> But uh, uh, we both wanted to see this one, and as I was sitting down, it wasn't so much like me thinking about, you know, I wonder what she'll be thinking, I wonder if this will grab her. I was thinking, you know, eight years of 
uh, all the strum and drang and, you know, it's kind of like cantankerous gnashing of teeth over this character has led to this movie, which when we saw it, it was already getting a, a lot of plaudits and, and acclaim. Because I remember like in 2010 when they announced this character and they showed his face, um, I was my reaction was like, oh, no, this this will be interesting and not really thinking too much of it. And then like there was so much backlash over the idea before he even kind of came out mm-hmm. about you know accusations of pandering and oh i bet he's going to be gay and he looks like he's drawn like obama and all this kind of stuff and people just kind of commenting that's the very idea and i thought th- that was really kind of like a loss of innocence for me because i kind of pre- i had presumed at that time that comic book fandom and geek geek fandom and pop culture fandom that way was a lot more um i suppose um ingratiating towards not so much a liberal mindset but just i guess like kind of diversity um but boy was i wrong uh and i really um found sort of the 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 dividing factor between what people what fans say they tolerate or like and and what fans and kind of the line that that's crossed with them um and that kind of led me down a path of sort of like you know looking inroad inroads and or looking inward and kind of like kind of understanding how diversity really plays out and which i think has been very beneficial for me i've ended up writing a lot about race and stuff and kind of observing things in ways in which i think people are still are still are stuck in 2010 debating things which don't need to be debated but like my miles Morales to me he kind of means more to me as sort of a turning point in my own personal perspective on a lot of things and mm-hmm. uh, more so than like you know because i'm a peter parker guy like, like Spider-Man is like, you know, whenever my head is turned away from Batman, Spider-Man is my favorite hero. But that's not made me dislike Miles Morales. I've always really liked Miles Morales. But he's, he means more to me personally as sort of a turning point uh, towards my own perspective of, of the world than any, any sort of like, you know, feelings of uh, of black heroes or whatever. Because I'm a, I'm a stat. My favorite black hero is Static. But I, I still really like Miles Morales. I like Static too. Um, I feel like as I look back you know, at the different conversations that have happened on the internet about new heroes who don't fit the the nineteen sixties mold. Um that Miles Morales is one of the first ones that really just like had this huge unexpected conversation about resisting the very idea. Um, like you were saying, it's kind of a loss of innocence and this realization that fandom is full of a lot of <clears throat> a lot of opinions. Um it was him and it was what was that other character? Was it Miss Marvel or something like that? Yeah, but Ms. Ms. Marvel was, I think, a few years later. Yeah. She was 2014. But she's also yeah. a girl, so it's even worse. Yeah, a girl and Muslim. And, oh, and Muslim. Yeah, that's what it was. But I feel like, you know. The greatest hits. <laughs> killing off Peter Parker was a thing. Killing uh-huh. off Peter Parker was uh, the sort of note in a comic book continuity that you expect to have controversy among fans. Um, I guess, but if you're a real comic book fan, are you really upset about death anymore? Give me a break. Well, I think the crazy that had to thing be an is, excuse. Is that, I mean, until the Ultimate Universe went away, Peter Parker stayed dead, as far as I know. He never like undeaded. So, uh, so jump on over to that six one six and read Peter Parker. Be happy. Like, pff, I don't right. know. I mean, he came back eventually, but like, yeah, because I, I mean, I read Ultimate Spider Man pretty much the entire Bagley run. Like, I really felt off after that, but like, I wasn't upset. Um, I don't know. the least, honestly. In fact, deaths that have resonance are so rare. It's actually a great read most of the time. 
But it's just that, you know, but but the, the, the point that I was building toward is that, you know, that's the sort of thing that you expect people to argue about. You expect there to be opinions. You expect there to be discussion about the death of a character like Peter Parker. Um, Brand New Day happened roughly, you know, that same time frame. That's the sort of thing that you expect fans to have a lot of conflicting opinions about because they're doing weird stuff to the continuity. They're changing the rules. And do we approve? Do we like this? The fact that they brought in a new Spider-Man. And he took off his mask and he's, you know, both black and Latino heritage. And that is suddenly a conversation, I think, is one of the earliest points that I remember that happening in comics fandom. Um, And there was a real sense of betrayal for me personally, because, like, I didn't think it was anything that comics hadn't done before. You know, granted, you know. The, the, the Hal Jordan Kyle Rayner thing was much more controversial at the time. But, like, you know, you had, like, you know, Miguel O'Hara, who was, like, half Irish, half Mexican. And you had all these different versions of Spider-Man, like, in terms of, like, you know, Aranya and stuff. And you had other iterations of characters. You had, like, um, futuristic versions of characters. Um, so I didn't think it was, like, such a brand new idea. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it was it, it was anything like you know like like wow you know this has never been done before yeah it was a popular character but it was it was the ultimate version um, and there was just such even even kind of like, like the mealy mouth I'm not saying it's a bad idea I'm just saying I don't think it will sell very well like that it was really surprising to me and um, just a lot of bad arguments being tossed around with such misguided authority that like um, I mean I I, I kind of still have scars from that because it was a real yeah it was it, it was a real sort of like you know. Um, uh, waking up moment. You know, I guess, I guess that was me getting woke. It's because we knew it wasn't. They weren't objecting to the bad idea. They were objecting to the idea that that white square jawed Peter Parker is being replaced by a minority. Yeah, it's the same yeah. kind of moment that whenever the Force Awakens trailer came out and the stormtrooper took off his helmet. And, oh my gosh! Mm. Yeah, it's the exact same thing. So um, we don't need to dwell on that. I appreciate you sharing your perspective on that, Don, because. Um, uh, like you said, it's it's maybe not the reasons people expected, but um, you know, this 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 is definitely a podcast that celebrates all of humanity having parts in in fandom, and and if 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 that's not you listening, then you're gonna be you're gonna be dismayed, I think. <laughs> now, so that was what 2010 when he came out. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so now that this new movie has come out and he's clearly in all the trailers and stuff, have we seen as much of that kind of you know bad backlash? Has fandom moved on? Do we all just accept him now, or 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 is it like a whole new whole new level of backlash because now he's in a film or the star of a film? Yeah, I don't see anybody. I, I feel that he's been generally accepted. I mean, I feel that like the backlash against him kind of died out after a year or two. I mean, There's still some people who like accuse comics of politicizing things, but I don't see like it, it, I see a lot more fervent argument argument elsewhere. And I feel that like Miles Morales was, it was sort of a thing that like never had, it was never an ar- an argument or a disagreement that had a lot of energy equally. I feel that eventually people who didn't like him either ignored him or, you know, grew up or learned that it wasn't a big of a deal. So like, I, 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 I don't think it's still 2010 anymore. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen anything either. Sadly, we have a whole bunch of, you know, other characters and new characters to, to, to grab. <laughs> sure. Out. But um, but let's let's, let's get into let's get into uh, uh, happier topics. This um, you know, one of the things I, I was enjoying with this film is just the dynamic of the animation. Mm-hmm. Um, that first caught me off guard, and I was like, really, do I like that? But then you just get into it, and you realize, and that is, um, I don't know if it's the frame rate 
of the animation, but this I don't I don't have the artistic language to describe this. And maybe you do, Don. The f- the the fluidity of the motion does not quite seem to be as smooth as some cartoons, and yet I feel like it that plus the dynamics of the colors and the the you know throwing sound effects into the words and, and, and you know as words onto the screen just randomly all that stuff just kind of goes all together to make this really really neat aesthetic um, things being partially outlined just because you might do it that way in a comic book I feel like like a comic book really helps to describe this 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 visual aesthetic mm-hmm. yeah a lot of it kind of rise of kind of cell shading video games of like the early 2000s um, like Jet Set Radio from the Dreamcast really kind of comes in here because like a lot of bursting colors and there's a lot of 2D animation, but it's sort of like cell shaded. It's, it's like kind of you know 2D onto like 3D fi- figures and stuff. And I know what you mean. We're like we're like the animations. It's generally fluid. I mean, you're not thinking that like it's it's like hack hack hacked together or whatever, but it can kind of feel almost staccato and kind of how kind of like push and pull some of the movements are. Um, mm-hmm. And it's interesting because I've not seen a film animated like this. And, um, I mean, the teaser trailer where he kind of shows him jumping off the building, it was like, we heard all, all about this Miles Morales anime cartoon, and it sounded like such a director video idea that I don't think anybody took it seriously or was even kind of disappointed. So when I saw the visuals for this in the teaser trailer, I, I was like, okay, I have to see that because that just looks so amazing. Um, and, yeah, they, they, they really uh, – I really like the look of this film because they're characters which, you know, like Pixar movies are so 3D that, like, they don't translate – seamlessly to 2d animation where you kind of make like cartoons or toys of them but this one has it very well uh rendered where that you can do that like in the barnes noble that we work out we sort of have sort of this like you know into the spider-verse guide for kids where you kind of have them all kind of illustrated in two two dimensions and they they look fine and i think that like this one's cool where like he kind of melds it's a very amorphous style i'm not sure because i think there are multiple character designers in this but i'm not sure who's a sole character designer but like uh no i i think it's cool because because yeah it a lot of comic book movies that are say, oh, this is just like a comic book right off the page. This one starts off with a comic code of authority, for God's sake. So they, they are they don't want you to forget where these ideas and where the spirit comes from, which I think is, is the greatest service to the medium, to, from one medium to another, that can never be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is shouts more loudly than any MCU film that, hey, this is a comic book-based movie, and you really should go check those out. Like, leave the theater and go find a comic shop. I've like thought about, and you know, DC never listens to me or anything, but in case they ever, in case they ever do ask me what I think I've thought about, um, you know, I really love DC's animated stuff. A lot of the times, you know, like young justice or of course the nineties or even their, even a lot of their direct to video movies are pretty good. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And it's like, man, why don't they just let whoever's in charge of that stuff? If it's still Bruce Tim or whoever, Give them a Pixar budget and go to town with this, you know, build a universe like that and just don't even try and copy Marvel and their live action stuff. Just do their thing, you know, have a Superman Pixar $20 billion budget movie. Right. And then uh, the spy, the into the spider verse did it instead. And I just think it came out great because you're um, like you said, it, it had a good combination of both like kind of three dimensional, but also a lot of 2d stuff. Um, I actually think they use the panels because every once in a while there'd be panels like captions or something. And I think they did it to good effect. It was always like at a moment that seemed critical of importance. Like the first time I noticed it was when Miles stood up and said, should I go help him? And it made a caption of that. 
it's like, okay, there's a character moment. And then the next caption was, no, I better not do that because <laughs> it's scary and I'm going to die. Um, or like the first time he experiences a spider sense and like everything's all kind of pulsy and like uh, weird. And then all of a sudden there's this big words in the window behind him. Look out, you know? Um, Hello, that's awesome. good. I love that. Yeah, that's, that was totally awesome how they ingrained that. It actually reminded me of like, and I hate to bring this up because this is horrible, but like Ang Lee's Hulk in a way, except done right. Like Ang Lee was desperately trying to make his movie feel like a comic book by making all those weird panels and captions, but it just seemed hokey and like he had no idea what a comic book was. But these guys did that same idea, kind of, but it actually works. And since there's no live action, it felt like seamless. Maybe even more so than any live action movie. As good as effects are these days, there's a lot of times you're watching, you know, Captain America fight a bug monster and it's like, eh, that doesn't look I'm kind of taken out. That doesn't look real. But here everything's animated, so it all seamlessly blends together. Yeah, I was watching Aquaman last night and I I, I enjoyed it. But there's a there was a scene where I was thinking because I remember I saw Into the Spider Verse for the second time the night before, and I was thinking like like Spider Verse looks so much like a cartoon. Then what do I think of this with like the CGI effects and the live action characters? And I was like, it still looks like a comic book, but it looks like Roger um, Rabbit. Well, I mean, I mean, I, I, not to damn with faint praise, but it's like it, I think that like live action films have achieved a comic book look, mm-hmm. but it's just it's much more recognizable. I feel it's, I, I feel I feel that like comic books are are, are best achieved in animation as you know as 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 high as 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 far as the heights of the batman films have gone you can't top the feeling of that's the character when he's animated because there's 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 sort of this almost like um magic to it in terms of the the image that that like animation captures much faster than live action can well because they can bring an artistic style to the character that you can't do when the guy's standing there in a suit as much cgi as you want to slap on him he's still going to look like christian bale in a suit you know, but like in a comic book, you've got you've had like, I don't know, over a hundred thousand million artists interpret Batman in some way or another. And we like some guys who draw him this way and not some guys who draw him that way. But you can do that in an animated uh, situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just as you were thinking about as you were talking about, like, you know, Christian Bell and stuff, I was thinking, OK, so the look of Miles Morales um, in my head, when I think Miles Morales, I still see like the promo images from his first issue. And I don't know necessarily what his, you know, his, his haircut and and face and build and everything are these days. But, um, and the movie was different to his look in those early days of comics. Um, has he, has his personal life and just general appearance changed a bit in the comics? Was, were they modeling him after his current look or was this a new look for him as a character? And I'm just talking about cosmetic stuff like haircut and, like Peter Parker always seems to have kind of a consistent look that some artists do better than others. Um, Although I honestly kind of felt like they went a different direction with both Peter's looks too. I love that they gave well, him blonde either, hair. Either you do the silver age sticker or me to kind of square head look with Peter, or you just give him kind of like a burst of hair. Like Ultimate Spider-Man had him that, that sort of like you know dopey '90s haircut, but a lot of times like 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 in this and in the PS4 game, he kind of has like a, like a certain haircut that's not really like the comics, but it's not out of bounds either. But as you were saying, John, like 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 generally, Miles has a kind of close cut haircut. Uh-huh. Like it's, it's, it's it's a very sort of like business casual haircut. And in this, he's I don't I've never seen him with this kind of hair before, honestly. And I don't know if this is intentional. And I don't I never thought of it when I was watching the film, but I was thinking about it now. He kind of looks like Childish Gambino. <laughs> He kind of has like who? Donald Glover's like like big ass hair in this movie, 
Whereas like, like like they just relaunched the um, the new Miles Morales book, where they must have done some sort of time skip because he's clearly like, at least like sixteen in those books, so he's older, but he still has his hair cut short. And in the in the PS4 game, his hair is cut. His hair is a little bigger, but it's still relatively short. And in this one, he's sporting like a half fro. Like he he looks like Kiwi Fuman in this in this in this movie, which I think looks cool because like because like I like the kind of nappy hair look more so than the close cut look. I, I think that's I think this much more visually. Um, visually uh uh engaging okay okay so so they did create their own look for him in this then um yes i, I see the childish gambino uh comparison you're you're making who is that who is childish gambino you guys keep saying this word over and over again i have no idea who that is uh, donald, Glover? donald glover's musical persona okay do you, you know, know what donald glover is <laughs> fill me in <laughs> How old are you uh, community um Lando he was Lando Robinson. and Solo. I haven't seen any of that either. It's the reason why Miles Morales exists. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Was, like, when he was younger, he was kind of the the fan touted front runner to play the character. He was in Spider Man Homecoming. Um, there's the one scene where uh, Spider Man needs some information, so he goes and get one of gets one of the thieves and like webs him to his car. And oh, okay. Yeah, I know. He kind of complains is. that he has to get home because he has like ice cream in there. It's going to melt or something like that. I forget exactly yeah. how it plays out. In- interrogation mode. Yeah, yeah. So that's Donald Glover. Okay. Yeah, I've never seen a community or solo or any of that. So sorry, guys. I am older than both of you, FYI. <laughs> Especially one of you. <laughs> so you. You owe it to yourself because just because it, it's pretty culturally relevant and everything to look up his recent music video, This Is America. Okay. Because that kind of, to my experience, which I, I I don't follow music that much at all, but to my experience, that was the piece that put the name Childish Gambino in my mind. Like, I knew who Donald Glover was, but I didn't know the name Childish Gambino until that. Well, uh, it, should, it should be said thing. that, like, uh, the whole reason Miles Morales was created was because, yeah, like like, like people... It was, this is before, I think, or right around the time that Andrew Garfield was cast. People said that, like, you know, Donald Glover and Community, he kind of plays this really kind of, like, charming, awkward nerd. It would, he would make a great Peter Parker. And so that his fan, not him, but his fan base was, like, Donald Glover for Spider-Man. They, they announced a sort of, like, you know, online campaign. Is that and, who that was? I thought that was the dude who played Johnny Storm eventually. No? Michael B. Jordan. No, no, no. It was it was Donald Glover. And, like, um, Brent oh. Bendis says that, like, that was an inspiration to see a kid of color beat Spider-Man. Like, 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 and like when he was first animated in like the ultimate Spider-Man cartoon, Donald Glover actually voiced him. So like, it, it's a very, in fact, Josh told me that like in this movie, uncle Aaron is watching like community where he's wearing Spider-Man pajamas. I've, I've missed that both times. I actually, I forgot to look out for it, but like, uh, yeah, Donald Glover and Miles Morales are very much like they, they very much owe each other. Uh, or I should say they owe each other, but like Miles Morales owes a lot of his, of his conception and creation to the whole Donald Glover thing. Um, and there's, I'm a sure of, it's, there's a lot of DNA story. being shared there. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, okay. So uh, I, I kind of want to have a conversation about Donald Glover as as Peter Parker, but I, I don't know if this is the appropriate venue for that. Because um, well, it'd that's be a, a, a hypothetical conversation, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just have opinions about that, um, but there there not going to be any surprise to y'all. So. Things that this movie did that I love. We haven't even talked about like Spider Woman and and anime Spider Man and Noir Spider Man and Spider Ham and all that stuff yet. So all the Spider Men, to quote the guy from Kimmy Schmidt, um, 
I've never read a Spider-Ham comic. I would love to. I was in comics when Spider-Man Noir came out. So I read that like kind of as it happened. It was a sort of this little neat little kitsch thing that they did. Okay. Um, so that's what I was going to ask because, you know, I like me the Spider-Man, but I'm pretty sure 28 of the Easter eggs flew right over my head. I know of Gwen, Spider-Gwen and Spider-Ham, but I wasn't sure if the other two were legit comic characters or made up for this movie. Spider-Man Noir, because there was the whole Marvel Noir thing about 10 years ago. Well, okay. It was just this little, this little line of miniseries. Okay, and then the robot girl, anime girl? She, she was created... Like, when they did when Slot did Spider-Verse a few years ago, she was in like a one-shot. So like she was okay. created for an event. So I believe she's only had one appearance. Not anymore, probably after this. But like uh, she, she, she was created before... She was not created for this movie. She was created beforehand, but like very recently, very, very briefly. Okay, well that's cool. They all came from comics then. Yeah, yeah. it's worth mentioning for those who don't know that the idea of the Spider Verse is an idea that has its roots in a Dan Slot, who was the writer of Spider Man comics for ten years. Um, he had the idea of getting all the different versions of Spider Man from all the different miniseries and one shots and universes, even the you know the the TV show from the seventies, and just get them all in one big you know bombastic story. Um, then. The Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon that was running for for several years, they did their own version of the story that kind of has a similar concept to to what's going on behind the scenes in this in this um, show, which may very well be the same as in the comics. I just haven't read that comic series yet. Um, but so the whole Spider Verse thing has been done and explored and really, really popularly, which is why they keep using it, I think. Lest we forget, like, the 90s show ended with a, a two-parter that had multiple Spider-Man. Like, he was, like, rich and had the Spider-Man armor. There was Ben Riley. There was, like, Octo Spidey. There was, like, Actor Spidey. So, like, and, like, and, like, like John Semper, like, very snobbily <laughs> took credit for the whole idea. But, like, uh, yeah, yeah it, 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 it's... It's it is a concept that like I, I always thought was a little too much for the character, but it's fun because there are really fun d- versions of the character out there to kind of play with. Yeah, yeah, it, it's the sort of thing that you can't you can't let it be too often a thing because it sort of waters down the main point of the stories you're trying to tell. But it's fun to have every now and then. It's kind of like in the Super Sentai, whenever like all the Red Rangers show up for a special episode every now and then. You know, it's just <laughs> the bullies and Beetleborgs. <laughs> right, right. So, um. It's a neat idea to pull out every now and then, and it's it's gained a lot of appeal recently. Um, but I, the only one of the Spider characters I had never heard of was the anime one, and I loved her a lot. I loved that her concept kind of takes your anime tropes and your mecha storytelling tropes, and even like the what are they called the Tamaguchi, Tama, Tamagotchi, whatever the the digital pets. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh the gigapet like uh yeah i feel like her mecha was kind of a riff on the gigapet too because the animals like in there making little faces on the helmet and everything and that was that was adorable um so all of that together was fun but let's talk about let's just like go down some easter eggs what were some what were some nods that jumped out at you as you were as you're watching um Michael, since you might buggy. not have very many what did you have <laughs> spider-man dune buggy the Spider-Mobile. Spider-Mobile, yeah. When, okay, I'm, I've only seen the movie once. When was the Spider-Mobile? In the Batcave. Oh. Yeah, they're, they're going down. Yeah, yeah okay, uh, yeah. So that was that made me laugh. Of course, Spider-Ham, you know. I don't know. That's not really an Easter egg. He's a total character, but 
I, I knew never of him, expected at least. to see him animated, though. Well, I did because he must have been in the trailer because I wasn't surprised to see him. But well, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like um, I don't know. I don't think I don't. I mean, other than just, just general, the blatant, that's not ever seen. the blatant stuff. I don't. I can't think of anything that like was just like a nudge, nudge, wink, wink to real fans or anything. So they I probably had, just uh, didn't get it. Right away, like when like when like um Chris Pine like you know the Ben oh. Ryan Spider Man uh, was talking, they showed like an Eric Larson comic. Oh, and also the whole like I I walked down the street like this once. I don't know if that's really an Easter egg because everybody's seen those movies, but oh, yeah, that was funny. funny. That was funny. The whole like you know, I say funny. the city, the train thing, and like the upside down kiss, and like you know. Uh-huh. Although back. the upside like, down kiss was reversed, did you notice that? I did notice that. That was hot. <laughs> 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 um, the, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like you said, uh, in passing, saying you go there, Don. They had the uh, the Ben Riley Spider Man because this Peter Parker has blonde hair. Which well, Miles is Peter Parker in his universe, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Blonde hair. The the quote unquote, you know, real Peter Parker in Miles' universe um, has blonde hair, which was, if you don't know, a nod to the Clone Saga from the '90s when um, Ben Riley, the clone of Peter Parker, tried to take over his life for a while and. And I didn't really even think about it that way. I just thought that was a way Thank to kind either. of differentiate the differences. But like later on, I was like, "Oh, I guess it is kind of like Ben." Like it, I, I don't know if they thought about that, but they could have. Like it, it does work. <laughs> it yeah. seemed more like Hobo Spider Man would have been more Ben. You know, <laughs> you're the first uh, person I've heard that you've called him that. <laughs> oh no, they called him that in the movie. That's why I'm just latching onto it because it's easy to call him that. Um, he complained that he got Hobo Spider Man to like be his teacher. He oh, ended yeah, up he with did. Hobo yeah, Spider Man. Yeah, janky holes. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was hilarious. Um, yeah, this Ben Riley Spider Man is. I like that they made him like as the most successful Spider Man Spider Man could ever be. Kind of like he was yeah, the ultimate Spider Man. He was the ultimate Spider Man. Yes, like he had his own secret lair. He had a, his 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 you know Aunt May functioning as like a uh, you know jo- or uh, Alfred. Jarvis. Yeah, I was gonna say. Jarvis, but and, yeah, she knew how to make web shooters. Like, I was she like, knew how to what? make web shooters. She knew how to enter the cave. She knew all about his secrets. You know, um, yeah, I like that he was like the pinnacle, and then of course he gets off immediately, so we can have the other guys. But let's talk about that. Um, okay, because so obviously when you see the trailers, sometimes you build concepts about what the movie's going to be because you think you know the story because of the trailers. Uh-huh. So the idea this, yeah. that the Spider-Man in the diner telling him about the mushy fries being his universe, that that was not going to be... How, do, how, how How's the best way to phrase this? The main Spider-Man, quote-unquote? Yeah, quote-unquote, the main Spider-Man, because the main Spider-Man dies at the beginning of the movie, and they bring in yeah. this, like, you know, janky hobo Spider-Man. Um so I was not expecting to see Peter Parker die. And of course, when he dies, my brain immediately clues in the fact that, oh, yeah, Miles Morales only becomes Spider-Man because Peter Parker dies. But right. I wasn't expecting that to happen in the movie. What about y'all? Did y'all, where, did y'all kind of feel that coming ahead of time? or was that- so, uh, so I haven't seen Community. Screw you both. Sorry. But I have <laughs> seen New Girl. And so I know who Jake Johnson is. Is that his name? Yeah. Um, and I saw him voicing diner spider-man in the trailer and i actually was kind of like oh i don't know if i like that as the voice for peter parker you know because i don't know it just doesn't sound right to me and then chris pine is voicing peter parker in the movie and i'm like did i just get that wrong not in that trailer or did they i did, did not they... recognize him when he during the first viewing I, I i just thought they were all the same voice but the second time i was like oh it is a different voice no i'm just sitting there thinking did they fire him and replace him with 
you know, Chris Pine and I didn't read about that article or something. I didn't and even then, know there were different voice actors. Oh yeah. Chris Pine. And then he dies. And I'm like, Oh, just like John said, now everything's falling into place. There's going to be an alternate main prime Spider-Man. And then I realized that Jake Johnson's voice was freaking perfect for hobo Spider-Man. I thought it was great. So I'm glad that worked out that way. Okay, so here's so here's the thing. I seeing Venom, um, as much as I've seen some of the trailers that like I, I at the end of Venom, if you say during during like all the credits, they show you basically the whole scene where like Miles like 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 Peter B. Parker and Miles kind of going through the city, like or as Peter's unconscious. Dra- dragging the dead body. Yeah. And so he's at the grave of Spider Man. So like I knew that they're do- okay, they're doing the version where Spider Man dies and he takes up his mantle. So I knew that going in. I thought okay, what the happened in the comics, that's that's fine. Um I really did. Yeah, I really did not know that they're going. To, they're, they're going to do his version of Spider-Man, and then like the other version. I was kind of confused as to which version they were going for. Um, and honestly, the, for the first time, I was really bummed out. Um, not so much the fact that like he died. Or it wasn't that they that they did that. It was basically kind of a fanboy like kind of seeing that happen. I was, I was like, oh man. So like, it was it was a part that I I didn't dislike, but it, as a fan, I was like, that sucks. Um, but seeing it again, I actually really like it because if you watch it, he's so heroic that like he actively antagonizes Kingpin into killing him to let Miles escape. Like, like, and I like how he's yeah. like, Miles, don't worry, it'll be okay. You know, I got this. And then he makes sure that like Miles escapes and like, basically, basically goes out a hero. So I really, I really, really like that. Um, with, with the other Spider-Man, I, 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 I see that as like our classic Spider-Man because that's the one that has the harder luck. That's the one that kind of is going through things. And really, aside from like you know the pizza bulge and like the stupid like <laughs> like like TGI Spidey's restaurant, he is basically like the Paul Jake and Spider Man. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's clinically depressed. Mary Jane split up from him. May pass away. That's you know not that like either more like the true Spider Man exactly, but like that's not. I don't consider that to be like you know a second tier alternate Spider Man. I feel that that's like our Spider Man. Or the more usable Spider-Man, because like, even though he's kind of cynical and jaded in the beginning, once Doctor Octopus reveals herself, he snaps back into action and never looks back. And oh. I really, I really yeah. loved how that Peter Parker was realized to where he got more and more serious as the film went on, while still being Spider-Man. And I, I quite love that. So like, I, I don't tend to look at that as like the main one die, and we, and we got sort of an also ran who was a hobo. It's sort of like different versions of the same character, but they're all ultimately what we like about the character yeah I, I i should clarify my own meaning that i wasn't trying to like i just trying to like distinguish them like you know the 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 one from his own universe versus the one from the other universe but um the the death caught me off guard and i i got emotional about it like it's kind of like in and i know i know Donna, i'm not trying to start anything here but it's kind of like in batman v superman when superman dies at the end I got emotionally wrapped up in that in ways that I can't really explain why, because all of the rational thoughts say, well, of course he's not going to stay dead, but like my little brain and my little heart were like, Oh, at least I can hold on to the fact that the dirt moves at the end. That's like a hint that he's going to come back. I can hold on to that, you know? Um, So yeah, but this Spider-Man does stay dead And this, but this, yeah, this is the death of Spider-Man and I was not prepared. And when it happened, that was, the one moment I remember, you know, getting emotional uh, during the course of the story. And of course, ever since my brothers died, my emotions like right, right underneath my skin during movies, I can cry at the drop of a hat. Um, but, but yeah, then you bring in the other Spider-Man. And like you said, Don, 
over the course of the story, he goes from being kind of a putz who's, you know, upset about his life to really becoming Spider-Man because that's who he is. And he gets away from his from his, you know, daily upset existence and is able to sort of become himself again. And I think that helps in the storytelling because it's during that part of the film that we're shifting focus onto the fact that Miles is trying to come into his own. He's having trouble doing it. So the storytelling is helped by the fact that, okay, Peter Parker has found his legs again and he is able to be Spider-Man. And now it's Miles who's having trouble catching up to everybody else. And it's his story. So it works better that way. And I really like the fact that like, it's not just, Oh, he's a loser, which I was kind of concerned about going into it, but it was like Mary Jane left him. And mm-hmm. once he mentions that, like with, he, he kind of stays on that, you know, I think I broke her heart. She wanted kids. And I honestly, I honestly laughed seeing him cry in his costume in the tub, but like it makes total sense that a, they would split up and two, he would like be a wreck. But cause that's ex- again, the Paul Jenkins run, which is like my second favorite Spider-Man run ever. Like it was all about him being clinically depressed because Mary Jane was gone. So like that to me, it wasn't just comedic because, Oh, Peter Parker's a loser. It's like, that's the, that's, that's genuinely the character. And mm-hmm. I liked how the whole, his whole arc is seeing other spider people and, you know, miles kind of coming up on, on his own. That just naturally snaps him back into action. Even though I love the bit where like miles is guilting him and he's like, you know, no, nope, it's not going to work. It's not gonna work. And then he's so like hatefully, like just like yells in his arm because like, Peter Parker and guilt go hand in hand and he, he like he like hates how cliched he, he himself is. So he's like screaming, he's like, Okay, I, I'm gonna help you out. So like I thought I I was really uh I was really I was really like I felt like we were really done well as Peter Parker fans, his characterization. Um in a way which we I don't I don't think a lot of people had expected. Well he I mean, as cool as Spider Man Prime was, and that's as cool as Spider Man could ever be. Awesome. Like we just said, he has to die because, you know, we one, we have to move over for Miles and two, like he's too cool. So he he needs to go away so we can get back to Spider-Man with problems, which, you know, Hobo Spider-Man, like you said, that's that's more the Spider-Man we're used to, give or take the, you know, the pot belly. But um, I thought they were going to, like, make him worse than he was. Like, at first I thought, oh, man, he's going to, like, just be this comedy relief or something and he was but just be this comedy relief who sucks at everything or whatever because he's out of shape and stuff but as soon as they went to infiltrate uh the base he was he was right on point as you know as good a spider-man as any spider-man we're used to seeing so i thought that was awesome um i mean yeah he's having emotional problems but when does peter parker not have emotional problems since 1963 so he seemed like more like the real spider-man to me yeah yeah um I do. I don't. I, I haven't heard anybody say it. I'm not trying to sound original, like the or anything. But I, I do like the idea that in Miles Morales's universe, which is from the comic Ultimate Spider-Man, that version of Peter Parker was like the ultimate Spider-Man, like the best Spider-Man could ever be. But mm-hmm. really, it's very clever. Yeah. Yeah. Spider-Man is not the the quintessential Spider-Man story. Is not about the best Spider-Man you can be. You know, it's about no. dealing with you know, being a superhero while real life keeps getting in the way. But they um, did a good job of making us care about that guy for the three seconds he was in the movie. I thought so. his, his dialogue was terrific. I, I, he I was really liked great. How he, like, he saves miles and with everything going on, he's like, your shoes are untied. I don't worry about that. Cause it's a onesie, but like, and then like, he's like, you're like me. And he, and he says, look, I'll train you. I will help you. You know, I know exactly what you're going through. But first, I gotta take care of this. And then like, he's, he's yeah. almost parental in the way where like, he, he kind of sets Miles off on this journey. He kind of has, an, he almost has an idea of like what Miles is about to go through, but 
it's like he instantly sees himself in Miles. Whereas like Peter Benjamin Parker, who was still, you know, that's that's his name. Uh, he sees himself in Miles too, but he but he he's so busy hating himself that like he doesn't want to see himself in Miles. It's it's really sharp thematic writing that I I, I didn't expect in what looked like a like a children's film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I need to see it again and like analyze it further because I feel like there's a lot going on there that maybe it's, I haven't quite gotten a hold. It's a very fast paced movie for like an old guy like me, yeah. so <laughs> I definitely need to see it a couple more times because a lot of stuff happened quick. Um, one of the reveals that I completely didn't expect and was like cheering as it oh, happened yeah. Oh, was yeah. Dr. Octopus. Totally. <laughs> I did not see that coming either. So I'm, does that, that answers a question I had for both of you is there's not a female Dr. Octopus in the comics. I think well, there, there is, is, but not that one. Oh, Carolyn trainer from the clones lockup. But like this one, I think it was Olivia uh, Octavius. Yeah. Which they hid in, in like the little class video, but like I genuinely didn't see that coming. And like, I love how, like, uh, you know, you know how it's going to be painful for you? And you have any idea how much I want to watch? Oh, uh, I know. <laughs> that really turned. That was so good. And talk so, about, now we're back on the animation versus live action. I think that was like the most realized version of Doc Ock I've seen in terms of movement. Um, just yeah. the way she fought, how dangerous she was. Like, that's how I picture Dr. Octopus in the comic books. You know, like these... <laughs> Limbs yeah. just constantly moving, and like he has to use all his spider powers and senses and agility just to keep away from them. And just as he's dodging one, another one grabs him, you know, that kind of stuff. And the way she, like, you know, crawled through that forest and through all the trees and stuff, that was just awesome. Um, before we did this recording, Don, we were recording Amazing Spider Man 12 discussion, which is, of course, um, Dr. Octopus unmasking Peter. And at this point, you know, Peter has fought Dr. Octopus three times, and he's getting pretty good at it. Um, the, you know, Lee and Ditko have not come up with a lot of new shticks for how octopus fights. And so Peter is just getting better at getting in there, diving past the arms, trying to get physical <clears throat> and all this stuff that he's going to have to do with the octopus. But then, you know, over the course of the history, they're going to find new dynamics and qualities to how octopus acts. And I feel like this movie did a really good job of making her menacing and and dangerous and evil really evil but also here's like a good, a scientist. Here's the good news we like, don't need this monitor <laughs> well it, it, it was like you know the whole um you know blah blah, blah you know my collider is like our collider like the, i don't think she's really meant to be like, like otto octavius but like but woman like she, she's like, a, like a generally original character but she had that like love of science and that sort of like you know scientific interest that kind of makes her crazy Mm-hmm. That was really, and I liked how much of a threat she was. It was like once again, once if you watch it as as like glib as as Peter B. Parker is, once she reveals herself, he's like he yells for Miles to leave and like takes her on because it's it's freaking Doctor Octopus. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. Yeah, it's like um, well, yeah. There's there's that. There's the um, <clears throat> oh, another big Easter egg is if you stay till after the. Oh. Is it after the animated credits or after the entire credits? Entire. The yeah, entire the credits. Because throughout the film, they're referencing Alchemax. And, you know, Spider-Man 2099 is one of those few key moments in Spider-Man history where I can say I was there when, you know? Um, so I know what an Alchemax is. And then I was following new Spider-Man, or maybe I was just doing a dance thought read-through, Whenever they brought Alchemax into present day Spider Man, 
with Liz Allen and the Osborne and stuff and everything else because they were going to bring Spider-Man 29 into the present day and they were doing other stuff. Anyways, so I figured throughout the film, they were just taking nods from some of their recent developments in continuity. Alchemax is now a modern, is now a modern day fact of Spider-Man existence. But then (laughs) (laughs) they have the thing at the end with Spider-Man 2099 and I lost my shit. I was so excited that maybe just maybe we're going to get animated 2099 Spider-Man in the future. I would love to see that. Yeah, I don't know why I did not see that coming. <laughs> it's, it's so apparent. Um, of course, the the sequels we have heard as pretty much either confirmed or all but confirmed are uh, like um, they're going to use Spider Woman and some of the other um, Spider characters who are newer. Um, who you know, just as an aside, happen to all be female, but that's not the point of the story. Um, they're just you know making more Spider stories. Um, I say that because I'm tired of the whole like. Oh, it's the all-female Ghostbusters. No, it's the Ghostbusters. And, mm-hmm. you know, just trying to... I'd love to see some of the language and conversation change in regards to some of those things. But... um, My favorite female actress. Yeah. Like that. Yeah, or actor or whatever. Yeah. So anyways... Um, I was just looking up who the voice of 2099 was, because I didn't know. And it's uh, Oscar Isaac from uh, Ex Machina and Inside uh Llewellyn Davis and stuff like that. Star so Wars. wow. <laughs> and Star Wars, yes, of course. Who was he in Star Wars? He's uh Poe or whatever his name is. He was, okay. Yeah, he was he was, he was uh Poe does he have a name? <laughs> Poe Dameron. Poe Dameron, that's right. Yeah. So um, big big name for a two second thing. That was pretty cool. Yeah, that that I would I would enjoy seeing them keep that casting because I, I like that uh actor. Um you're literally pointing your finger at me while telling me not to point my finger. <laughs> that was, I love it because because when I reviewed that, I was like, okay, that's cool, Miguel here that's nice. But when they did that, I was like, okay, that's the reason why you do this. And that was Earth sixty seven, which right. I imagine is when that cartoon came out. Or am I wrong? Yeah, Spider Man sixty seven is the Spider Man cartoon. Yeah, that's how it's commonly referred to. It was Spider Man, <laughs> like douchebag Jonah Jameson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where the, all the memes come from. I feel like I feel like meme Spider-Man is this entire other alternate universe that needs to happen some way somehow, um, but that's probably never going to happen. Well, they did in the, in the end credit sequence, which is really cool, and well animated. Like they did the whole him sitting at the table or, or at the desk with like you know his picture on the wall meme for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> like they, they know who's watching this movie. Yeah, yeah. What are um I. I I'm running out of ideas for topics. What are some What are some ideas or thoughts that y'all want to bring? To okay, people? what do you um, think about the kingpin? The things that you the kingpin? Yes, because he's portrayed as like the Hulk, and he's drawn like uh, that Bill blah 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 guy drew him in I think Electra or something like that. Bill uh, I can't I can't pronounce his last name. It's Bill a really Sinkevich. long name. Yes, thank Bill you. Oh uh, yes, he draw he drew him I think for the first time as like this huge ball of a body with a tiny head. So that's what it reminded me of. Um, but yeah, he's a much, he's a very physical opponent in this, which he's not, hasn't been a lot lately. Although I do think maybe like when he originally started as a Spider-Man villain, he was more of a physical foe. Oh, definitely. Somehow. Yeah. So he's back to that. And then on top of that, they gave him like a gangster voice, which I'm not sure I loved. Uh, yeah, what did you all think Shriver, about that? Uh, yeah. Like Sabretooth voices him and uh, Cottonmouth voices the Prowler. Yeah. Um, oh, and the Prowler. That was oh, yeah. cool. 
Because that made me think of like my childhood. Because I had a Spider-Man issue with the Prowler, and I always thought he looked neat. So it was neat to see him in this movie. A different Prowler, but still the Prowler. Yeah. In Ultimate uh, Comics, his uncle is the Prowler. Yeah, I didn't know any of that. So it was all surprise to me. Which is actually an Easter egg from the Homecoming film, because that's Donald Glover's character is the Prowler. Um, That's that's the name that he has. You don't you don't have any attention brought to that, but like that character has a nephew somewhere named Miles Morales running around in the MCU. There's a ton of like in the in Homecoming, yeah. There, there's a little like you know his name because like, I guess it was like through his like you know science vision. It was like name Aaron De- Aaron Deus, alias the Prowler, um, and he says when 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 they're spy on, when he when Peter is spy on him, he's he's like you know I, I'm really into like you know grappling stuff and climbing stuff. Like like that character was was pretty explicitly the uh, Ultimate Prowler. Um, there's, there's, there's a lot of stuff we can talk about. I kind of with you, you know. I would not say that like Leo Shriver is my favorite Kingpin voice. I'm 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 ride or die, um, Roscoe Lee Brown from the '90s show. Um, uh-huh. I, like 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 uh, <laughs> the best voices of the Kingpin are black guys, whether it's him or Michael Clark Duncan. But like, I liked how they wrote him because because I like the Kingpin written to be more than just a two dimensional villain. He had a very understandable motivation but also but he's also like his his love for his family really makes makes it the worst out of him and i thought that was really cool um, yeah he, they brought some cool cool uh pathos to the character even though i mean he was just the baddest bad guy you actually you actually felt a little bit like like keenan leaned over to me and said you know dad i feel a little bit of bad for the kingpin i'm like yeah i do too at the same time he's being a terrible fault. person yeah they ran away because of him so I would too. But uh, yeah, it was mostly the voice that bugged me. I don't mind him being, you know, a physical threat if they want to do that in this universe. I don't know that I want that all the time, uh, but it worked for this. I was trying to develop some uh, some theory in my head while y'all were talking about whether the Daredevil version of Kingpin works better as a corporate overlord and the Spider-Man version of the Kingpin works better as a physical enemy. But I'm not sure if there's any like rule on that. What do y'all what do y'all think about the different takes on the Kingpin that we've had over the years? Well, my my experience of Kingpin is Daredevil, so I like the the Overlord, uh, who occasionally gets in a fight with a very human Daredevil. So that's actually like a a good fight. Um, I can't see like my Kingpin having more than like a panel of surviving a fight with Spider Man, but yeah, I, I, I've always had a hard time buying that. Like, you know, I know, I get that he's super strong. Like, I, I actually like if you if you've not seen daredevil season three i and the last in the final fight between him and daredevil like they both run at each other then like the camera goes away then you see daredevil burst through a wall after the kingpin threw him like that's awesome but like spider-man has superhuman strength like i don't yeah. get how we can ever actually hurt him or i guess he could crush his web shooter but like you can't like actually like pan him but whatever um but i i, I like i don't i love spider-man daredevil i don't prefer kingpin more or the other so i like when they play him that's sort of the, sort of the super villain um, and, he, and he's, he's and he's a deadly foe. He's never a joke. He's never someone no. who, who you can easily get by. So I like I liked how deadly he was in this movie. I thought they did, they did, they did him uh, quite a bit of justice. Um, even though like the villain's not really why you're in this movie, but like he, I thought that he he did a he did a very suitable job as the antagonist. And like and like um, I thought I thought that they um they really uh, put care into um the villain in this film. As as like the entire plot is about um you know, something bad happening with science. And as Netflix now has, you know, Daredevil with the Kingpin as the main bad guy that everybody praises and gives awards to, I thought it was kind of cool that they let Spider-Man have the Kingpin back for this movie. Yeah. I don't he, think they, I think that someone else could have filled that role as science, as like deadly scientist guy trying to open a portal for some reason. So 
could have been any reason. So it was cool that they gave it to the Kingpin, who isn't really known for his, you know, science shenanigans. Um, I think the ending of the film with the Kingpin and all of the portal stuff may be my only real drawback to the film. Because I kind of feel like any sort of point of reference of reality just gets chucked out the window. And maybe that was the point. Um, but, you know, there's there's the idea that a lot of a lot of superhero films or a lot of special effects films the ending of the game just becomes a video game or a cartoon or whatever and it's just it it loses a little bit of grounding and that definitely happens with this film there's there's no real point of reference or, or reality happening anymore it's just a bunch of a v- the story continues but all the fighting it's, it's, and the it's saving a big everything price <laughs> there's yeah, literally no ground it's all yeah it's all happening on a background of just colors Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't as thrilled by that, but you know, they, they pull it off in the end. Um, and Kingpin, like y'all said, he does keep himself a credible threat throughout a uh, green, uh, sorry, not green, not octopus. Oh, so that's something to be said. There's something to be said for this film having nothing to do with any goblins whatsoever. Yeah. Except for the, the big, there's the one big green goblin fight at the beginning. But like oh, yeah. they leave that behind, and this film is not about the Osborns. And see, he also easily, dies. He's dead. It easily yeah. could have been about the Osborns because Harry. I mean, the Osborns could have been the ones creating a portal for some stupid reason. That I could see. Yeah, yeah. So the fact that I they mean, used the Kingpin was cool. Was cool. Right. It's not that I would have been upset about the Osborns. It's just that that that's been done, yeah. <laughs> and they they went a different direction. And yeah, it's been done. And, and that like you can't. They can't be like like throwaway villains you got to involve like a lot of personal history and stuff with the osborns and that would just distract from like miles's story that that was a very ultimate uh green goblin though definitely an ultimate version of the green goblin Uh, i don't think he ever got that big in the comics but but it's it's that aesthetic yeah um let's talk let's talk spider woman um gwen stacy so I have never actually read a comic book with this character in it, but if I understand correctly, she is Gwen Stacy from another universe, like in the movie and in the comics, she has, because of the events of spider verse, she has wandered into the main Marvel reality and has stayed there, maybe gotten stuck or something. Is that correct? She does. All of her comic series are in the main universe. It's not like she goes back to her own universe. Do you know, Don? I believe because I remember there's there was a uh, Miles Morales Spider Gwen crossover and they were like kind of dimension hopping. So, oh, so maybe she when, I, when I last, as far as I last knew, she was still in her own universe. I don't know if that's different now because like I really don't read a lot besides like you know, I, like I'm not reading Spider Gwen right now. Like I, I don't I don't really know a lot of like the kind of internet universe stuff because it's it's a lot to read. Um, but I don't believe that she is in the main universe. I, I, I feel like they just kind of. Stop care. It's like the CW stuff, where it's like they just stop caring about like how hard it might be to t- cross dimensions. Now they just do it. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, it's kind of neat that they can just say, you know what, this this character is over here doing her own thing, and you like her, and we're telling stories about her, and that's just the way things are. Well, what do we think about her in the context of this movie? I, I thought she was cool. I, I I I think that like her costume design is one of the coolest looking costumes I've seen in years. For sure, I, I absolutely adore her costume. But I was never like you know, and for this reason, like you know, she's like the greatest newly, newly minted character. Like I've never con- been convinced that uh, her as a character is all that engaging or interesting. But I liked it here, where she was clearly a teenager. She's not really. She's not. She's not. She isn't. Dick, like going to say stuff in the comics, which no one cares about. 
But like I liked, I really liked her as a character. Like I liked how she did her own investigating. I just liked kind of her confidence. I liked how friendly she was. I I, I, I don't know if it's Haley Steinfeld or just like the writing, but she, she for me she worked on this. And I don't know. I don't. I really don't know if she's like so much like this in the comics. But um, I, I, this this version, I, I'm looking forward to seeing more of. I feel like you know, unlike Spider Ham and Spider Noir and Anime Spider Girl. Like she was one of the main characters because she's not just introduced and kind of thrown aside as a comic relief. But at the same time, I wish they had given her maybe something more to do because I don't know like much about her still other than she didn't want friends. And then in the end, she gets friends like nothing really happens with her versus, you know, Hobo Spider-Man and Miles. One thing that people don't seem to have, have realized though is that, that like before like, like the credits roll at the end when Miles like swinging and then he kind of falls back into his bed, the film actually ends with like these sort of like pink spider spider woman spider Gwen color color bubbles and you hear her saying Miles Miles oh yeah she's coming back yeah so I, okay. either she's like you know like like, like um I just like, don't know like, much um, about her like if you could if you had to describe her as a character other than saying she's nice and her costume looks good like what was she you I mean she was fun. She, she, I, mean, yeah. I mean, she 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 was confident, and she had her own kind of like like, like Spider Girl spirits. And I liked the whole, you know, friends are distractions, so I'm I'm on my own kind of thing because they, they kind of gave her pathos. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not. This this film isn't so much measured by like you know what did each character accomplished because they're all sort of they're all sort of connected in this sort of thematic web of like <laughs> realization as, as you know kind of coming into the person you want to be. Yeah, and I think that she, she sort of represents. Yeah, she's closer to Miles's age. She's a bit more realistic than the other characters, and she's gone through her own issues. So she's she's another person that Miles can kind of relate to and kind of demonstrate what he could be, what he isn't, and how far he is from what he wants to be. Another example of my preconceived notions not ending up being real um, is that you know you int- they introduced Gwen as a student in his school, and in my head I knew that the Spider Woman Gwen Stacy that we were going to see was from another universe or was, I was pretty sure that was right. So I thought for a while, I was expecting there to be two Gwens. Like he meets uh, mm-hmm. one Gwen and then we find out the spider version of Gwen later. So, um, that it was a, the same Gwen was like, Oh, so they're from the same universe. And this is this Gwen Stacy at his school. Who's spider. Okay. And it's like, Oh no, no, she actually is from another universe. And she just got here five minutes before the movie started. Um, and her spider sense told her to go to that school. So that spider sense is pretty dang awesome. Yeah, there's the multiversal she, spider sense in She's this. like a clairvoyant spider. Yeah, that's, that, that's I think I think that's that's something the movie invented that like like their spider no, sense. I liked it though. Movie. I liked that her powers are different, just like Miles' powers are different and you know, than all of them. They didn't really get into Spider Noir's powers per se, but he did have like a gun or something. It's a private eye, yeah. I've actually yeah. never not read Spider-Man Noir. I know Stella really likes it, but like I, 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 yeah. I've, he I've, was I've, fun. I've not gotten, yeah. He was more I, fun than Spider-Ham to me, honestly. I thought he was hilarious. I think his shtick is that he has no powers. He's kind of uh, in the mold of the DC mystery men. Uh, oh, he didn't spider. He didn't wall crawl or anything. I think I he has he powers, but like it's much more realistic. Like uh, I think he can wall crawl, but I don't know if he web swings or anything. I don't know. I, he you know, what? I don't know. color. I don't yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that stuff was funny. Oh. He 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 was good. he was definitely good for the jokes. Um, yeah. so yeah, I liked Gwen in this. Um, I see what you're saying, Michael. That maybe she's not as well defined as she could be, but at the same time, this this movie 
she was a supporting character to the main story. She was. And I, and I think she did a good job as, as that role. Um, she was a little above those other two, but not quite as, as high a status as the main two characters. And I feel like sometimes with characters, whenever you're creating a new character and you want someone to glom onto it, you, you give them some sort of, I hate to use the word gimmick, but I can't think of a better word without the condescending undertones. Um, but you have a gimmick to sort of like say, okay, this character is connected to something you already know. And I'm going to use that connection to bring you into my story, even though my story isn't really about that connection. And so Spider-Woman in this is Gwen Stacy, the Gwen Stacy who didn't die in another universe. Mm -hmm. And so that sort of like gives you a reason to care at the beginning so that you can then get roped in and get to know the character and and, and be invested for other reasons. Um, So I think that might be why her comic book is called Spider-Gwen and not Spider-Woman. And because... Other than being the Gwen Stacy that didn't die, which, as I'm saying this, I'm actually starting to wonder if that's even a thing because so many people who are coming into this movie, if they know Gwen Stacy at all, it's from Amazing Spider-Man Two. Well, that's another thing too. I feel that like that like kind of like with Miles Morales and Donald Glover. I feel as though Spider Gwen was was made at a time when Emma Stone's Gwen Stacy was very popular, and I feel that like she kind of owes some of her creation to that. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's there's a lot of kind of like like synergy going on with like the film adaptations and the, the comic books that are inspired by the films or, or actors related to them. Um, I mean, I don't I don't really need, need a reason in this movie to like her. I I, I thought that she, I don't know she, she kind of I liked how confident and cool she was without it being kind of made a point of the film. It's like you know, girl power or whatever. I thought I liked how non condescending it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and plus, I mean, it's 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 great to see it. But I think both her and Miles have terrific costumes, and I think that like, oh uh, yeah, it feels rare to have really cool new costumes in these days. I thought they both were really nailed. Um, so uh, I mean, I suppose there is there actually isn't too much to say about her in terms of, like you know investigation, but I I thought that she was really well realized and fun um, without yeah. it feeling the need to like you know kind of like hamper us with you know more more backstories than necessary. And I was trying to be careful in my language because I, I, I don't want to – the fact that it's a girl character I feel like shouldn't even be a point of contention or a point of debate. But just the idea that you know she's a character connected to the Spider-Man mythos through the, through being Gwen Stacy is, is the point that I was trying to attach there. Right. Um, but yeah, she was definitely very fun. And you know I liked her personality because she – you know, she's kind of a rock star. She kind of puts off once once she loses half of her hair because of the webbing incident. She kind of puts off a little bit of a gay vibe, uh, which she's not necessarily <laughs> because she, you know, kind of gets into Miles by the end of the movie. But there's just kind of like that vibe there to her. Oh, I there, like there's sort that. of a modern feminist kind of kind of like you know you almost expect her to kind of dye her hair pink, kind of modern millennial look to her with that. Uh huh. I think bros online really object- objected to you when they saw them in the trailers, like her haircut. Well, I do good. think I do think it's great that they didn't hook up. Or, yeah, no, or, that, that, well, they hold on the friends thing, which they might do next time. But like, uh, it, it it was more mature that they didn't. Yeah, yeah. I think it's nice when you you actually can have a female character support your main character, and they don't have to like kiss in the end and fall in love per se. They could just be oh, they could just high five and go away. I love the way that Bumblebee handled that. Um, with with that relationship in that movie, which I don't know if y'all have seen yet, but that's anyways. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that part too. <laughs> Sorry, is it, well, it, it's it's like you said, it's um, like at the end of Rogue One. 
Um, there's yeah. there's a little bit of a moment between uh, Jin and uh, Cassian uh, right. that isn't romantic. It's just we're about to die, and there's a bit of a connection between them. Um, but it is such a tired trope that your male and female protagonists have to have romance at the end that it's refreshing whenever that doesn't automatically have to happen. <laughs> like Aquaman. <laughs> Which, unless, I guess it's sort of locked into canon, but unless I haven't seen Aquaman solos. yet, but it's kind of expected with Mira and, and, and Arthur. Yeah. I yeah, I, 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 it really isn't a spoiler, but like throughout the film, they're kind of like you know reluctant buddies. Like they, they kind of like bat and forth. So like, I, I don't think the romance is well brought, well led up to, even okay. though, as lovable as it is. It's just an obligatory kiss at the end, right? Or something, or, or whatever. It's, it's, you know, that's that, that the plot doesn't necessarily hinge on that. So I I don't feel bad telling you that because it's just it's not without the real, without the realms of expectation. Yeah. Um, what else can we say about this movie? Um, do we want to talk about Spider Ham? I don't have anything to say about him, but do y'all have it's any funny. connections to that? No. Well, here's the one, one thing. I mean, I really liked him. Like well, the second time I saw it, and I and I said this before um, on the discussion is that like uh, when the entire I mean I I have a lot more things I can bring up to this, but like uh, the whole thing with with Uncle Aaron goes down when he, when he dies and Miles is you know just beside himself with grief and 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 anguish. And Peter comes and says, "You know, I know, I know what you're going through. We're the only people who do. You know, with me it was on my uncle Ben, and with Penny, she says her father, and with um, Nicholas Cage, he says it was it was it was his uh, uncle Benjamin. Then with Gwen, she says it was his best friend. And then Spider-Ham's like, like, you know, you can't always save everyone. And like, as in the moment, and like sincere as that was, the fact that like this cartoon pig said that, I was, I was like, I'm wondering if he if he was just a little too far. That that was a good <laughs> moment, though." It was I like a good that, moment. Yeah, I like yeah. that moment of connectivity. Like that's the that's the my, the mythos of Spider Man is like every Spider Man has to have lost somebody to be Spider Man in and every in every universe. I, I feel as though, and this is this honest. I don't I don't need to like drip negativity in this, but this honestly is I think a misstep with the MCU Spider Man is that like there has to be a, a genuine, direct, strong sense of pathos with the character. He was born from violence and tragedy and you can't get away from that too far and still call himself spider-man yeah he's a very fun character he's a very kid-friendly character but great power great responsibility is not just it's not this cheesy mantra that everyone like has grown tired of it, it's serious when you're you know stan lee insisted that being the origin from the cartoons and stuff i mean that it's, it's it's not meant to be taken so lightly which is why i thought this is a great spider-man film because you didn't necessarily have miles make a mistake but you still had sort of the confusion and loss of family and you know just frustration trying to figure out what to do with yourself and how to best utilize your own skills and talents that like i think is um i think is is um is a fundamental to the character and i think that this movie what i love about this movie is that it was actually darker than i was expecting yeah and it really um it really held a tight grip on the earnestness and believability of the characters in terms of like what motivates them to where you, you buy it. You don't, you don't feel like it's just, you know, this, this scene for this scene's sake, uh, which I mean, it, so it's like, you know, ultimately, you know, I was like, you know, uh, Spider-Ham, I don't know, but like ultimately I was fine with it because like, yeah, it is like, you know, they've all gone through something to where it's not just, they have spider powers, blah, blah, blah. It's like Peter Parker's life doesn't suck because he's Peter Parker. His life sucks because he's Spider-Man. And like every time, like people like him, but like when he's Spider-Man, things go wrong. That's just the nature of, of the character, and like that happens with everybody else because 
these spider people aren't the richest people in the world. They're not the, the most talented people. They're not famous like Tony Stark. They are normal people trying their best to use superpowers. And I think that like this movie understands that in a way which just hasn't been majorly majorly demonstrated in, in, in large instances for a little while. And um, it was pretty much at that moment where I kind of, I kind of decided, yeah, this, this is, this is, this is, this is a Spider-Man movie. Um, um, that's, that's kind of been needed for a while. Yeah. I, I feel like, you know, whenever they're getting ready to bring Tom into the MCU as, as Spider-Man, there was sort of this conversation at the time of we've seen the origin so many times we don't need another Spider-Man origin. And so they completely avoided it. But now I feel like, like you were saying, Don, there's, there's a certain, there's a certain emotional core that is missing from Spider-Man right now in the, uh, in the, in the main MCU films. Um, this, there's a difference uh, between there's a difference between like not doing the origin again and outright ignoring why he is who he is. Right, and, and they they made like oblique references to it, but the words Uncle Ben have not been uttered by Peter Parker in the new MCU. Three films, three films. Right. So that's 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 a problem that hopefully Far From Home can deal with because that's his you know second solo outing. But that's a, another conversation for another day. Um, yeah. The relationship between Miles and his father, um, it's it's weird for me because my relationship with my own father is so bizarre. Uh, you know, he died when I was 16. Um, I only knew him for like five years of my life. Um, and, you know, there was bad stuff going on during a lot of the time. Not going to go into all that. So trying to figure out how a father and a son or how any child with their father, you know, forge that relationship and forge that mutual respect, but yet they're still the father and, you know, they're trying to figure out what's best for you and you're trying to not resent them the entire, all those dynamics I feel like came to the fore in the conversation between miles and his dad through. Nope. Hello. Did I lose y'all? Uh, yeah, the, the last time I heard it was it through, and then like you just cut out through the door. Yeah. I think you said right. Yeah, I said through the door, and okay. then like it beeped out for a second. So yeah, let me yeah. see if I'm recording. So, Hold on one second. No, it still says recording. Okay, good. So just just to say, you know, that conversation through the door, um, and that was the big emotional moment for my son. Okay, so remind me again because I was thinking about this. Remind me again what he says through the door. Um, something like I'm proud of you or you're awesome or something or what is he's, he he's he's trying to tell him he he wants to tell him what happened to Uncle Aaron uh-huh. and because he feels he, he misguidedly feels that Miles is ignoring him the, what, what the whole thing with Uncle Aaron has really kind of brought what, what he's been afraid for for Miles because like, he he's afraid because Miles has so much potential and he can't he feels that he's not been pr- uh, properly expressing why he pushes him and how proud he is of him. And he feels that, like, you know, life is too short to, like, you know, waste time not realizing your potential. So, like, the death of the death of his brother and Miles' uncle kind of bubbles what he's been trying to say with him to the forefront, even though he can't bring himself to, to mention mention what he came there to say. So it's, it's very much like, you know, he goes there saying, like, you know, look, your uncle has died, but it's like, you know, this makes me worry about you because I love you so much. And you're not – I don't want you to think that, like, there's anything wrong with you because there's so much right with you, essentially. So this is the part that's kind of muddled for me because that's the speech that then inspires Miles to embrace his new Spider-Man powers and be the ultimate Spider-Man he could be. Ultimate. That was an accident. 
but it still works. Um, but I never felt like his dad was telling him he sucked throughout the whole movie. In fact, he was always telling Miles that he could be the best he could be. Go to this awesome school. I totally love you. You have to tell me you love me back. That's how awesome we are together. Um, you're going to be great. You're not going to be your horrible uncle or whatever. And then so just to reiterate that through the phone or through the door, I'm not sure why that inspired Miles to suddenly feel completely different about himself. I feel like they were communicating the idea that a parent's well-intentioned communications with their child are not always heard by the child the way that they're intended by the parent. Like there's just this weird filter that gets hit whenever parents are trying to say things to their kid. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And whenever you know teenagers are dealing with their parents, there's this wall that gets hit so many times. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just the whole, you know, I'm your mom or your dad. You can tell me things. You can tell me what's going on. And not for a second is a teenager going to believe that that's really true. Um, and so I feel like the door moment was one of those times where the dad said the right things to be heard and understood by Miles. And it meant something then that it didn't mean before. Okay. Because he and Miles aren't really on the same page throughout that film. Like, like even though, you know, we, we know how they both feel about each other. They're not really on the same, on the same wavelength expressively uh, at any point in the movie. But did you, any of you feel like Miles was not confident throughout the entire movie? Sure. I, okay. I, 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 I'm sorry, but I, I feel that. Well, I mean, I, other than other than not wanting to die from Green Goblin, which is fairly normal, I wouldn't want to die either. But like, well, he didn't no, seem like, like a guy who was shy or scared of doing things. Well, it's, it's not so much that in how that's recognized, but you know, the whole like the no expectations thing, the whole thing about um, you know how he feels overwhelmed by by his new school. Okay. Uh, he, you know, he doesn't really want to be. He, he doesn't feel right at the school. Um, he know he knows he's smart, but he doesn't necessarily want to achieve in what people want him to achieve. Um, you know, there's a whole you know meeting a new girl and like you know okay, so so what are you going to say about her? And he's like not even sure about that, so he's kind of, he's feeling inexperienced. Like, no, yeah, I, I thought that the film did did a um, did a solid job demonstrating what his psychology was. It's mm-hmm. not just you know I I, I have powers that are new to me. It, it's more than that. Like it's it's more like you know at a point in his lifetime, which is you know kind of a teenager point, but very relatable to a lot of people. I think. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's one of those things that one of those themes that comes up in a lot of a lot of entertainment that's aimed at the teen and the preteen audience is that just like you're not heard always the way you want to be heard and understood. And you also don't hear other people, especially parents, the way that they mean to hear you. There's there's just I don't know, there's this weird communication block that happens between teenagers and adults and um so miles here is he feels kind of confident in his social life but i think that that's also kind of tentative because like there's that one scene where he's like walking along and the girl says i miss you he's like okay whatever you know he at first he relates to her as a friend but then suddenly his hormones kick and he's like wait a second she misses me and it's just you know he's just at that point in his life where everything is still tentative and unsure okay that's not me trying to convince you of anything. That's just that's just no. Point. I know. I'll have to watch it again and see. But to me, it just seemed like he didn't embrace his powers, and then he did embrace his powers, and I didn't really feel like the changeover, really. But um, 
I liked the Prowler in this. I, mm-hmm. I liked the uh, the scenes where they um, finally realized that he was the you know he realized his uncle was the bad guy, and the bad guy realized that Miles was you know his nephew. Those those were definitely yeah. good moments. That was really scary stuff. He had a great theme. Yeah, I thought I was like almost convinced that he was going to kill Miles anyway. Like there's that, that whole that, bit that, on the roof. Problems. Yeah. There's the bit on the roof and he's holding him and then he's like hesitating and then he pulls his mask down. I thought that was like his attempt to just get over the fact that it was his nephew and he's just going to slash him anyway. And then, of course, he got shot. So we'll never know. But <laughs> I kind of felt like he was going to do it. Yeah. Uh, uh, in the comics, he's much more ruthless and much more antagonistic. And I actually like this better where he he's a bad guy. He's working for the kingpin, but he doesn't he gen- genuinely loves Miles mm-hmm. and keeping those two worlds separate he's been kind of doing fine but when they kind of combine he you know you know has some you know he doesn't know what to do i i i liked him in this movie quite a bit uh and i think that like he's been a good foil for miles in the comics but this one i just thought i I just thought there was just more interesting things of him being a being a better uncle for him than he has been in the comics where he was you know he's a good uncle but like there's a very similar scene in the origin story where he he's with uncle aaron gets bit by the spider and Uncle Aaron, you know, like, like, like uh, you know, is, is being an uncle towards him. But, like, it's like you get the idea that Aaron keeps his family life and his criminal life separate in a way in which, like, you know, uh, he's not going to try killing him if he, if, 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 uh, when Miles learns his identity, like he did in the, in the comics, I don't think. Yeah, I remember that. He does try to kill him in the comics whenever. Yeah, that's the idea that he actually loves his nephew in this, I think, works out really, really well. But I just looked at the clock and realized how long we've been talking. And we usually keep these things to an hour and change. And here we are at the 90-minute mark. So well, we must have liked the movie. I, I guess we did. Any any other burning thoughts, things that you feel like you've thought about with the film that you haven't really had a chance to say anywhere um, before we start wrapping up? I feel I've been kind of mean to uh, Kaiser tonight, just, just kind of with my big explanations. Like, what? Really? What? Um, about what? <laughs> Thanks oh, here. community? Yeah, maybe that. Um, yeah, but I'm uh, that. Go ahead, bring it. Well, I I think that the reason why this can arguably be made, the argument can be made, this is the best Spider-Man movie, is that like more so than like how are they adapting the character, these stories, or whatever. More so than like kind of the the window dressing of comic book Easter eggs and references and fun stuff. Um, there's a real soul to this in terms of manifesting great power not even so much to use it responsibly but to use it to to, to kind of bring about the best outcome for yourself in this that i think is kind of the kernel of spider-man even though you're kind of foregoing the whole guilt thing and the whole you know you know the the checklist with peter parker specifically i really think that like that there's a lot of these moments where like it's this movie is more than just a little black boy can be Spider-Man too. It's, it's it's more than that. It's a lot more. It's much smarter than that. It's more kind of like you know a very relatable, um, highly identifiable. You know, uh, what kind of person do you want to be? And you know, at some point, you know, it's a whole leap of faith, leap of faith thing. At some point, you can really make the change to kind of you know be the best person of your of yourself if you choose to do so. Um, and that kind of might sound like a, sort of a patent message, but like you know, it's a it's a universal message. And I think that um, between the style and the music and the story of Spider Man, I think this movie just means more than most of the other Spider Man films. I mean, I I didn't leave the, the movie the first time with a sense of high that I did from Spider Man One and Spider Man Two, 
but like it never left my mind. And when I wanted to see it again, it was like, like this, there's a lot that's really great about this movie that I feel can be overlooked. Um, and so I think that like uh, I think it has a stronger spirit than all of them. Uh, and and honestly, with with um, like the Stanley cameo and the dedication of Liam Ditko who passed away this year. Yeah. In addition to like all the other all the other major Spider-Man moments of this year, like like the uh, Infinity War and um, the PS4 game and Venom being a surprise hit, like it's 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 almost like this would be the the, the a fitting final movie for Spider-Man because it's so forward-looking. And I, 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 to me, like there's all all those kind of factors really make it um, um, unignorable. If that's not a word. But like you know, you, you it, it's it's more than just an animated movie that that this time has Miles Morales. It, it's it's much more, um, it, 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 it it's heavy it's heavier than that. It's it's it, it's much more about you know kind of um, presenting in ways which I don't think people even kind of can can even realize why Spider Man is a valuable character in pop culture. And um, I I think this is a film that every Spider Man fan just just has to see personally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I've heard that you know some so-called fans of 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 less pleasant ilk are boycotting the film for all the all the reasons you'd expect, um, and they're they're depriving themselves of an amazing Spider-Man story, which I realize as it's coming out of my mouth is a big old pun, not intended, but there it is. Um, and and yeah, like you said, this. This movie is is not about the fact that a little you know black kid can be Spider Man, and the fact that that becomes a conversation so much is just a whole bunch of people missing the point. I mean, representation is good; representation matters. It is a point of the film, but it's not the point of the film. Um, so i I came out of this loving Spider Man, loving the different versions of Spider Man, loving the fact that we had six different origin stories of a Spider Man, um, and you know, having seen an, a Spider-Man experience with my son that I am, you know, growing and grooming to be a burgeoning comics fan, you know, these are, these are the stories that are, that make up our culture and that are important to us. And I, I couldn't say enough good things about it. Mike, you have any closing thoughts? Um, just that, yeah, I really enjoyed, enjoyed it when I was watching it and I walked out of that theater, you know, feeling the Spider-Man love. So of course, if you are a Spider-Man fan, you must have seen it already. And if you haven't, get yourself to the theater because you should love it. I personally didn't feel like it was even preaching anything to me. Maybe I'm either obtuse or uh, so open-minded that I just didn't even really think about it. But yeah, I didn't feel like it hit you over the head at all with anything like that. Um, and that Stan Lee cameo, man, that really punched me in the gut because oh I was God. not even thinking about him being in this movie at all because it's a cartoon, right? And yeah, he's just suddenly there talking and oh, that was really sad. But yes, I enjoyed the movie. I do think maybe I need to see it again. I actually want to see it again now that we've had this discussion for an hour and a half. Um, parts of it might have been just a little too fast for me. So multiple viewings will help. Uh, but I would definitely like to see more along this line, either with more Spider-Man or more Miles or maybe even other characters if they want to go that way. Start building an animated universe or something. That'd be interesting. Sadly, I think the movie's not doing well financially, so I don't know if we will see another one, but who knows? I I thought it was doing supremely well. Is it not doing well? Oh, I don't know. I thought it had a $90 million budget and it's made like 70 but maybe I have a bad source. 
I think it's been slow to the, the box office, but the word of mouth has been so glowing. Like, it's up for a Golden Globe that I don't think... I mean, they've already confirmed that they're making another one. Okay, uh, so cool. I, so I don't, I don't think this is in danger of like you know, kind of being a flash in the pan. I think that like uh, that um, it's it's between between the word of mouth and kind of you know the online presence, it might, it, it might not make a billion dollars, but like I feel that like it's it's going to work out. Um, just 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 by the kind of how generally warm the recession has been, because I've not I've really not seen a review that's been at all negative about this. Uh, where would you guys rank this in terms of the Spider-Man movies? Your personal? Oh list? man, that's not fair. I've only seen it one time. <laughs> higher than Spider-Man three, higher than sh- higher than ASM one and two. Uh, after that, I'm not sure I'm comfortable because I actually like Homecoming. You big jerks, but we could talk about that some other time. Uh, yeah, you ranked it last, buddy. I saw that. Um, <laughs> I did. <do> that. <laughs> that's that's ridiculous. It, we it, can talk about that. We don't we don't have 20 minutes to talk about how ridiculous ranking it last is, but. Um, yeah, I would say it's up there, top three or four for sure. But again, I've only seen it one time, and I've seen those other Spider-Man movies multiple times, so it's not really easy to just... It needs to digest for a little while, I guess. Um, okay, so I think it might be the odd one out and that I really uh, love the Garfield Spider-Man films. So um, sure. Amazing Spider-Man was a really important film to me that... It wasn't until our own recent rewatch of the original Tobey Maguire Spider-Man film that I was like, oh, yeah, but this one's really good, too. Um, so in my own mind, the Garfield films are the top and the Maguire films are after that. Now, I kind of revised that when we were watching Spider-Man. So I would say that that this vies with Amazing Spider-Man and Spider-Man for like the top cluster. Like those, those two origin stories for the two Spider-Man actors and this are all kind of up there together for me. Um, Spider-Man Two has a lot of really good stuff with Doctor Octopus and the psychology and everything and the characters and that that makes Spider-Man Two a really good film. Um, but I've always prized the original Spider-Man over that one. Me too. I like all of them. There's not there's not a Spider-Man film I dislike. In fact, I really like Spider-Man ASM Two when I left it. Um, I did too. There's a lot of really good movies, like like, like yeah. I, I I think the ones that like just kind of left me like the coldest comparatively are, are, are Spider-Man Three, which I, I liked the last time I watched. I forget I forget how well the director that was. I mean, Spider-Man Homecoming, I I, I enjoyed, um, but but like uh, yeah, I I, th- I think this is a uh, this is quite good. So if we're gonna talk about every Spider-Man movie with Don, does that mean we have to also include uh, Civil War just to be completist? Eh, that's that's, that's, that's a Marvel movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'll, I'd love to talk about it. Anyway. Before we go, though, uh, a quick shout out to um, some listeners of this show who <laughs> have actually been graciously listening to a lot of the stuff I've done over the years, all the way back to Amazing Spider-Man Classics, which, Don, you and I did, you know, many, many moons ago. And he was he was 11 whenever that was happening. So I live in a world where somebody has grown up listening to my podcasts and is now of marriageable and drinking age. <laughs> so want to say hello to Ethan out there who now has a Spider-Man podcast of his own, which you should listen to. Um, Don, let me get the name for that show up while you, do you want to say anything to Ethan while, I, while we're here? Hi, Ethan. We've heard uh, that you, um, is it Griffin? Is that, is that his friend's name? Um, 
I've heard, I've heard you and your friend really enjoy the show. I've heard you really enjoyed uh, listening to us over the years. So uh, I want to say thank you. Uh, Josh has told us a lot about you guys. And um, yeah, thanks for listening to our show. Thanks for listening to our content. Um, thanks for writing in when you did. And uh, yeah, no, I, I really, I, I don't feel that I'm ever as um, vocally appreciable about uh, listeners to our stuff um, as I ought to be. So I, I thank you. I'm happy with this first opportunity to say thank you. And um, keep doing what you're doing, and and uh, uh, whatever you what you enjoy doing. If you take any inspiration from us or any enjoyment from us, uh, do it better. So that's that's the best way you can uh, you can kind of keep keep the ball going. Yeah. So his his show now, which you should go find on Twitter or on the podcast feeds or whatever, is called the Spider Man Rewind Podcast. And they're going through the story of Spider-Man. They're doing it chronologically. So all the major issues that like fill in gaps in the past, he's like slotting those in. So I think he started with all of the negative one issues from, I want to say the, the mid to late nineties, there were several negative one issues that were flashbacks and uh, he's going through the life story of Spider-Man. So that is on Twitter at Spidey rewind. And you can search the Spider-Man rewind podcast on your podcast, uh, your podcatcher program. So uh, their first episode is in my queue. I'll be listening to it in the very near future, and you should give them a listen to. So Ethan, drop us an email sometime. Love to hear from you. Let's wrap it up. It's been six hours. I want to go home. All right. Watch it again, so I can watch it again. Well, Don, thank you very much for being on the show. Can you talk a little bit about where people can find more of you? Oh, I suppose. Um. The uh, main show I do is Questions We Don't Have Answers at QNoAnswers.com, uh, where Harrison Chute and I talk about uh, just horrible topics that uh, we have to, we're forced to deal with as, as Americans and adults. Um, we actually finished up the year with our uh, two-part, mini-hour, top ten list of things we discovered in 2018, which is us being positive and kind of listening to these things that we liked in 2018, whether you know, it's like shows, movies, music, uh, YouTube pages, what have you. Um, you can also find me uh, on the BatmanUniverse.net. I actually just have a uh, review of the latest issue of Nightwing uh, posted, and I'm a, I'm a I'm a semi regular on Background to Oracle, Sellers podcast about Barbara Gordon, um, and the Gotham Chronicle I do with Josh about the, this Beyond Show Gotham, and um, that's generally it. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for coming. And um, I can be found at my. Image Comics podcast called All the Pouches and my um, super silly Sentai commentary podcast I do with my son Keenan every Saturday starting in January. Um, this episode is going up right at the end of the year, so I hope you are enjoying your holidays. And Mike, they can they can email us if they want to tell us about their thoughts on Spider Verse. Yeah, you can email us at um, uh, uh, podcast at makearsmarvel dot com. Or you could just go to makearsmarvel, yeah, com and use the form or, you know, find us that way, too, on social media. All right. Well, we have some uh, very special plans for this Not Comics segment as we go into 2019. So um, once some of that actually gets recorded and uh, in the can, we will start talking that up on the, on the Twitters. So if you haven't followed us on Twitter yet, do so at makearsmarvel.com. And we'll talk more about that. But it involves uh, another returning guest and some um, some Mary Marvel mutants. So mm. there's 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 a tease. Da-na-na-na-na. Deadpool. <laughs>
it's gonna be all Deadpool all the time. Yeah, you know Deadpool. us with that with that 1960s Marvel comics and all the Deadpool involvement. <laughs> <laughs> gonna cover it one minute at a time. Uh, yeah, people do that. I've done I that. Know. I've been involved in podcasts and talking about one minute of a movie for 45 minutes, and it's like this is really fun. And also, oh my gosh, how is this even possible? Okay. Well, thank you very much for being on the show, Don. Um, We're going to say farewell until next time. And um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Bye. Bye-bye. Woke up in the fortress of distortion. I'm at war with my emotions. 